So, hi everyone. Welcome to uh, today's Seably Smart, and I am absolutely delighted to be joined by Ed Armishaw. Ed is a, a really experienced sales leader. I think 17 plus years in in role now, now working with uh, with Salesforce. And I thought it'd be a great opportunity to have Ed come and share what he's seeing, you know, in in market, you know, just trends and, and things given the current economic climate and I guess forecast for the next two years so absolutely delighted to have you join us Ed so I mean I guess what what are you seeing happening out there what and you know buying behaviors are they changing or have they changed what's going on well first of all thank you very much for having me on on Seedly Smarts it's lovely to be here uh, you saying that 17 years experience makes me feel very old, especially because we met at my first employer 17 years ago, Orla. Um, crikey me, that's flown by. What am I <laughs> let's go, diving right into it? What am I seeing? Well, I think we're, we're all seeing, particularly across, I work in, in software sales in SaaS, and we are definitely seeing a, a slowing of buying behavior. No surprise in, in line with the, you know, the current recessionary environment that we have here in the UK and that's taking place, you know, across much of the world. Um, we're still seeing loads of opportunity, though, I have to be honest. But definitely what worked for sellers over the past few years does still work, but needs some refinement and needs some some changes and needs some ad- adaptation to the market. One big trend that I've noticed this year particularly is a huge increase in the amount of CFO engagement that I'm seeing sellers in my team and in our broader um, sort of broader teams uh, starting to have to engage in where before we often would work with, you know, depending on, you know, who, whether it be CMO, CIO, CTO, maybe a CRO. We're now starting to see the CFO come come into the conversation a little bit more. But that's that's no surprise because everyone's, you know, just a much more aware about about any spend, really, and, and particularly what. What we do in SaaS, which generally tends to be more OPEX related, like it's completely understandable, isn't it? When you yeah. Yeah. So so you're seeing, you know, people are still buying. They're still making purchase decisions. And I guess, you know, we expect that to continue mm. next year. Right. But more interrogation or really thorough evaluation of purchase decisions. Both. I think yeah. the, the more more interrogation, definitely. Uh, and. But it's also the way that people are evaluating things perhaps has shifted slightly. I've, I've been working in the world of MarTech, um, something that I know you know probably more than I, than I know about, at least in B2B. I've working in MarTech for the last few years and previously we'd talk a lot to, to senior marketers about growth. We'd be, we'd be selling a growth story, for want of a better word, right? We'd be, we'd be talking about aligning to growth initiatives within, within uh, the organizations we work with. We still do talk about growth, but we're also having to focus on, you know, focus on the bottom line as well in the conversation. And we're starting to see, I, I firmly believe actually now that the, the biggest competitor that, we'll, that, that most organizations will see, not just ones like mine, most sellers are going to see, isn't actually another company. It's look, it's just we're not going to do anything right now. I think that's probably the biggest thing as, as we come into Q4, if you run fiscal, you know, sorry, run financial year for your fiscal, you know, it's, it's, um, it's going to be coming up next year. Um, you know, we, we run to end of January. Lots of companies run calendar years. So they're in their Q4 in the last month now. And I think the, 
a seller for the sellers being able to articulate the cost of doing nothing to an organization has never been more important. And if they don't understand that, if they haven't done the discovery, they haven't built up the pain and then got to the second and third and fourth levels of, of kind of associated pain below that, yeah. they're not going to be able to tell that cost of doing nothing really strongly. I think that's where they might start to, to fall down. That's a really interesting observation, actually, because I think the, 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 you know, the, the decision to do nothing has always been a competitive scenario, right? That every sales motion, whether it recessionary or not, you mm. should, you know, want to, you know, objection handle against. But sounds like that's really coming much more to the fore. Mm. So how do you see salespeople then need to adapt or change yeah. their approach heading into you know into the year ahead so i think the first thing says it's not wholesale change it's i think it's edits certainly on the the sellers that are very experienced so there's probably sort of five areas maybe we can we'll go into i'll cover them all maybe a couple of couple of them in depth we've done one already but i think number one is that whole cost of inaction right we've got to got to help build cases to, to go to very senior finance leaders in organizations or for the, you know, the, your champion, the person you're, you're working with to go and take to a CFO to really, really show the cost of the reason why doing nothing isn't a good idea right now. I think the second, which I have been a long time proponent of, particularly when doing large seven figure transactions, which I've been, you know, fortunate enough to work on quite a few of now is exec, both exec access and also exec peering earlier and earlier in a sales cycle it was always been that way of like people brought the ex their exec in to sort of close the deal i think about the exact opposite way around for me the mega deal sellers are the ones that take an exec in from almost the beginning they parachute themselves in with the exec i think that's that's always been something that's been important but right now exec access is critical so if people don't have that and, and don't have a way to either get to Maybe the, the C-level they're not used to talking to. So for me, we work a lot with CMOs. We don't see as many CEOs and as many CFOs. We've talked about getting to those types of people as well as your traditional, um, the traditional contacts that you're working with is, is super yeah. important. I think never has there been a more kind of apt time to get to hard returns on investment and really be able to nail those down. So it's that cost of doing nothing, but also be able to really show that you know, on almost on one slide, this is the return, right? And, mm -hmm. and you know, Ed of three years ago would hate me for saying this because I, I always actually got frustrated with the over-reliance on, on returns on investment as a metric that sellers mm -hmm. sold on or kind of based the whole case yeah. around. I'd much rather look at other areas. But for me right now, hard ROI is, is really, really critical. Yeah. And then right. the, the kind of, if you can do that, then... From, particularly from a selling, selling of technology, whether it's, you know, physical or digital or software or consumption based, whatever the model, right? There is always a huge consolidation opportunity. You know, we, we work within the marketing industry. There's always that slide that comes up every year. I forget who puts it out. It's like, Hey, here's 8,000 marketing yeah. market vendors. The, the, right the, the right? stop brinker. Yeah. Um, that one. Yeah. Yeah. That, that always makes me chuckle because actually there's always a massive opportunity. If you work for, you know, I work for a company that has, a huge the marketing cloud which is the, the area my team works with has got all sorts of incredible capabilities within it we can do quite a lot from a consolidation perspective so if you're not selling the point solution which many many sellers aren't now which is great 
being able to actually show the sort of onward consolidation is is again it's a really it sounds quite obvious but it's a really really great way of of kind of focusing the mind and then the last one and this is always the same and you'll like this because i know that that you you know you at c blue will will do part of this as your action but customer referrals right now are gold getting people to talk not just about the nice things they do with your technology that's part of the course every case study in the world will show that but actually the real nuts and bolts conversation that says this is how we got it live this is the challenges we had with it this is how we overcame those challenges this is where the organization that you're potentially going to buy from have got you know this is where what they do really well and this is what they don't do so well post sales those types of conversations are just worth their weight in gold so if you have customers that will do referrals for you right now they're like manna from heaven and i'd be making sure they're in front of your potential buyers now ahead of your close absolutely i i think you know existing customers who've had that you know positive spirit experience been on that journey and are out mm. the other side they will always deliver that message to prospective clients mm. You know, speaking their language also, you know, where you bring the right peer group together, um, mm. but they will articulate the the pains, the challenges, the positive outcomes, I think, better than any, you know, sales or, or marketing motion ever could. So I, exactly. yeah, I, w- I would totally I would totally agree with that, uh, Ed. And, I, you know, you, you made some really, really, really interesting points there. I love the fact of bringing your executives together earlier, recognizing mm. your half you know, you have to make that that business case, you know, an ROI statement up front. You're engaging with different stakeholder groups, which then leads me on to, you know, because marketing has a role to play in, in mm. you know, can support all of those activities. So mm. I think it was, um, you know, we, we spoke briefly and I, I shared there was a recent, um, you know, survey of CMOs and, and, and things that they were struggling with. So, you know, um, and working with their sales colleagues, so being able to get those deep account insights. So maybe, you know, we're talking here about large six, eight, seven figure deals. We're looking to really understand and tailor our engagement to particular accounts. But actually, they struggle with account insights. Mm-hmm. Um, and then similarly, bringing that together um, and developing that shared strategy. So, you know, any any thoughts or, you know, insights? that you would give how how can these two come together and and, you know how can you work in the most effective way to you know even deliver on some of those things we we spoke about maybe I think it look the sales and marketing relationship has always been critical Mm -hmm. it's 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 becoming ever more critical um I think it's really funny talking to you about this because not only did I marry a marketer from from uh Vodafone your old (laughs) colleague I can't remember if your other half was in sales, but was around that area, yeah. as did Helen, which is hilarious. But the, the relationship between sales and marketing has always been absolutely critical. Right now, I think it it plays a more the easy way, to, the best way to put this. It probably plays a more important role in some aspects because twofold. Let me just break them down. So a couple of different aspects. The first is around this whole concept of the buying community. So uh, there are varying stats, but I think most people would would attest to the fact that there are now more more people that are better informed in every de- in every buying decision. So numbers vary between eight and fourteen. I've seen sort of on average buying large enterprise enterprise deals, the six and seven figure deals that you talk about. So 
for a salesperson to be able to get across those people is really hard. Firstly, to identify them, but then also engage them is really difficult. And I think that's mm-hmm. where very targeted, to your point, identified marketing can be incredibly powerful at all stages, actually, of the sale. Mm-hmm. Um, something that that I've seen done very, very well and also not very well um, over the years. The the other aspect that I think is is really critical, actually, and this is maybe a bit tangential, but go with me on it, is the the there is this trend when we hit recessionary environments that goes all the way back to the Wall Street crash in the 20s of marketers being forced to pull brand spend, particularly slash brand budgets. Yeah. But it's weird how it works in Convex that those organizations that don't slash brand that actually increase their brand spend during these times Okay, they might fare as well as the other organizations do during the difficult times, but they come out of them faster, they gain share faster. So I think that there's two very, very different aspects of marketing that can have huge impacts on sales results today when it comes to actually engaging buying communities, but also tomorrow, you know, down down the line. Because yeah. We hope, you know, in the UK, I think we're probably going to be looking at this for another 12 to 18 months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then we should start to see the kind of the seeds of, 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 um, green shoots of, of change coming about in the economy but the I think it's very easy at a time like this to immediately rush to short-term tactics and that whilst I understand why get it it sort of flies in the face of the of the general rule of buying which is 95.5 right in b2b which is like 95 percent of people aren't ready to buy in which case trying to push them into a lead list for some seller to call or whatever isn't really going to help things along. It might it might hit some metrics for you, but actually it probably won't lead to it, to more revenue. So I'm always interested in in marketers who are coming to you know coming to the table with you know ideas about okay this is how we're going to engage a community you might not know yet but need to so some of the kind of the brilliant ABM work that goes on. That's always really great. And then yeah, as I say, the flip convex of that is you know investing in brand now. And keep investing in brand now. Don't don't push it all towards performance marketing because you think that's what the CRO needs, because maybe it isn't. No, it isn't. Well, I I call that the the tactical tailspin is how I refer to it when people go too far down the short term reactive route. And it it is quite difficult to get yourself out of it because you're Mm. constantly then on that on that treadmill or in that, you know, motion of constantly having to do short term activities to try and maintain momentum. So it's I'm, I'm again, I, I do talk about it myself. You know, it's important to get that balance. Yes, do some, you know, short term reactive responsive measures, but make that, you know, the minority of what you're doing. Stay focused on your strategy. Stay focused on long, you know, mid to long term you know activities but um i mean i i do uh you know my view i think we can get marketers can while still operating strategically and with a long-term outlook can almost get in the trenches with with sales so actually where where can we help you to solve some some gaps that we have in our in our sales knowledge whether that's helping to identify who the right you know individuals are to target providing some of that um that account inside building those executive engagement opportunities and you know creating that opportunity in nice small format events where executives can come together where peers can share knowledge so those those customer advocates that we spoke about again i think there's a great way that actually 
while still, you know, potentially in, in a more short term reactive way, but actually are really, really helping to develop that that sales motion oh, and, yeah. you know, accelerate that sales cycle. Can I ask you a question, Ola? Of course. <laughs> I'm, I'm super interested in the role that marketers can play with sales enablement teams because yeah. and kind of go to market teams, because the the reality is that. It's it's very difficult as a seller when you're faced with, you know, the pressures that all sellers are faced with. It's very hard to kind of get your head out of the, out of the weeds and kind of yeah. look up. But I've worked with some amazing sales enablement teams over these people over the years who are like laser focused in on where we need to go and where the gaps are and what the propositions that could meet those gaps. I'm just interested in, in your career, either in Blue or previously. Have you done much work in with that kind of trying to meet the the knowledge gap that exists yeah. between product set and sales. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and I, you know, I think it, it, it does relate back to the previous point about avoiding being too reactive. Mm. And, and it's so easy for marketers to get pulled down to that level. But actually, you do have to be able to to step up to look around. Marketers are the voice of the customer and the voice of the market. Right. Mm. We do. We do need to look forward. What's happening? Yeah. In, in in a sector, in an account, what's important to them, then we can put that um, that messaging lens, right? So we can look at where are the ways in which we can, you know, address that opportunity, align our value proposition, align our, you know, our propositional and solution level messaging, look at our activation plan mm. and share that knowledge mm. with with our sales colleagues so whether you know if you have an enablement team in place fantastic many organizations don't yeah and often you know marketers do step in to address that that gap and i think it's really important that you're where you where you're seeing that shift in the market where you're building messaging and positioning to you know respond to that that you don't keep that information within marketing you share that knowledge that, exactly yeah. share yeah. that with the people who are face to face with with the customer mm. right give them the tools the insights the information the content that can support them in having the best the most effective and the most valuable to the prospect and customer that you yeah. can have right yeah. so that's that's always been my approach. That's something that we do, uh, you know, within Sea Blue when we we do for our clients because we do. I, I know that that's a resource, like it's resource intensive, mm-hmm. and you've got a team of marketers with the best will and intention in the world can get okay. sidetracked or pulled in pulled in different directions. So it, that that's where you know we absolutely. Um, Saw that and developed that within within Seablue to, to to address some of those um those gaps. Yeah. So I've, I've without even knowing I was doing it, I've teed you up there. Beautiful. There you go. I'm the, Be- I'm the perfect guest. What can I say? <laughs> I'm completely off the gap. I had no idea that was coming. But yeah, you know that's at the end the of the day, you know I think I, I strongly believe in that in I, that approach. And I think that comes back to this role of sort of sales and marketing is that yeah, literally we have been bedfellows for. For life, right? This is the, the nature of an organization. We are the, with the point of the arrow or whatever the expression you want to use is. But the, as we become more and more data and kind of insights rich, which is a nice way of saying heavy and bloated in certain cases as well, let's be honest. 
being able to cut through that and actually understand what the trends that are really important to to your point, that prospect, that sector, your product, your proposition, mm-hmm. how to position it, all those things, it gets harder and harder for salespeople to do. Yeah. And particularly those that are, that are starting in their careers, like the ones that are earlier, earlier on, I sort of, I envy them and I, I also don't <laughs> in, in that they're entering a, a profession that is far more kind of established than it was when even when I started in the in the early noughties but it's also it's very professional now the world of SaaS the the world of software sales the world of tech sales is something that people aspire to be in but they because of this people are getting into these roles earlier and younger and aren't getting the experience in years and years of of understanding their organization their prop they're being thrown in front of customers and not really you know yeah. It's almost the classic kind of sink or swim stuff, and yeah. and and I I'm really lucky. We have a phenomenal enablement program, you know, sets of enablement programs at, at Salesforce where I work. But um, I'm always cognizant that it isn't the case in, in lots of other organisations. And yeah. that flow of information backwards and forwards that I think is so critical between sales marketing enablement, all of that piece. Absolutely. And you wanted to live somewhere, right? Because you, you, you absolutely have new people joining, taking on their first sales roles, growing within organizations. But you naturally have, you know, within the tech sector, marketing sales, like you have movement, right? So you will constantly have new account managers, senior, you know, even experienced people coming to take on an account. And, you know, the faster you can get those people up to speed the more you know the, the transition from a customer point of view is is more seamless as well so mm. it's about creating that knowledge capturing it sharing it and having it accessible mm. um where you can make that transition smooth and and it's all about delivering that frictionless experience for mm. for customers absolutely. um or as, or as much as possible <laughs> absolutely as much as possible 